Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is happening with inflation and how is it affecting our pockets? When financial crises happen, we all have to become quick experts in things that we previously didn't care about or didn't know about. Some might remember, for instance, really watching the bond markets back in the 2010s during that recession. Since the start of the Russian invasion in Ukraine this year, inflation has been the thing we're all trying to get to grips with. Inflation is one of those big economic terms that gets thrown around a lot. So today we're going to break it down and explain why it matters and how it affects everything, the price of everything we buy and sell. And we'll be asking also, what do we want to see happen? And what are the likely scenarios for Ireland and the Eurozone, especially after recent reports of a slowdown in inflation? Here to help explain everything for us is economist and research affiliate at the ERSI, John Fitzgerald. Thanks, John, for joining us today on The Explainer. And before we get into the latest developments, can you just explain to us what has caused the current inflation that we're seeing in Ireland? All right, there are two factors. One, during the pandemic, we were locked up. We couldn't spend our money um, on holidays or whatever. So there was huge saving built up in Ireland, in Britain, in the United States, in Germany, because the government kept our income going, um, but we couldn't spend it. Then when the crisis ended, we want to go out and spend it. And that is a lot of money chasing uh, a not great increase in availability of holidays and so on. That was going to lead to inflation. And interestingly, the Second World War in Ireland, Sweden, the US and the UK, which were not badly damaged, huge savings built up. And two years afterwards, when rationing ended and people could spend their money, there was very rapid inflation in 47, 1947 and 48, and also in house prices as people sent some of their savings. So it's just like after the Second World War. But what happened then was inflation in 49 went back to 2% because once they'd spent their excess savings, things the inflation fell back down. So if there hadn't been a war in Ukraine, inflation would have been much lower and it would have come under control. Then um, Russia was already um, last winter beginning to tighten gas supplies, which was raising prices. And you have this gas crisis from February uh, of this year, which has triggered a whole series of other things. And there, it's not the history of the, after the Second World War, it's the history of the 1970s, uh, when there was an oil price, uh, two oil price uh, crises, very similar to what we're seeing today. And there, Governments didn't handle it well, and inflation, it ended up at over 20%. So that's the parallel, and um, that's a more permanent shock arising from energy. But the temporary shock from the pandemic would probably have come back under control without Ukraine. There's a couple of things happening at the same time. There's rising inflation and a cost of living crisis. Are they one and the same, or are there different factors involved in both? They're the same. When you go to the shop and the price of butter has gone from 219 to $339. Um, you don't ask too much why it's going to be a, a bigger hole in your budget. So what you're seeing is a range of factors coming together, which are leading to a most unusual rise in prices, something that we haven't seen for a long time. There was what looked like good news during the week with reports of a slowdown of inflation in the Eurozone. Can you tell us exactly what is happening in the Eurozone at the moment? Well, what happened was Ukraine war broke out and gas supplies were gradually cut off by Russia, which was really important in Europe. And gas is vital to our way of life. 
um, in terms of heating, in terms of electricity. So prices absolutely went through the roof. And in particular, in, so it's a gas crisis that's really draw, driving this. And over the summer, to prepare for the winter, Europe, we don't have storage, but in the rest of Europe, they bought even more gas from around the world at any price to stick it into storage to cover, cover the winter. So prices surged. And then when uh, it, transport became more difficult, food prices went up, a whole series of things came together and prices uh, rose. Gas prices actually have come down a bit in the autumn. So after the initial surge, you're seeing the rate of inflation falling back a bit. It doesn't mean that prices are falling and they're still rising quite rapidly, but a bit less than they were, which uh, suggests that the pressure probably for this winter is off. And we may well see the rate of inflation come down gradually. What we don't know is next winter, whether it, it, one of the things that's really helped has been it's been warmer. Climate change has worked in our favor um, this, this autumn. It's been warmer than usual. We've used less gas. If next winter were colder and we had to scrabble around to find gas, you could see a new surge in inflation. But hoping that things come under control next year, you're likely to see the rate of inflation um, slow, but continue at an abnormal rate through next year. And is that the same for other parts of the world as well? Yeah, it's the same in the Eurozone. Uh, inflation has uh, turned down slightly in the United States. Now, the US is a bit different because it already had an inflationary problem. President Biden had pumped probably too much money into the US economy, which was giving rise to inflation there. So, yes, because this latest surge in inflation is driven by energy prices, in particular by gas, uh, oil prices, it's the same the world over. Gas prices tend to be a bit different elsewhere. But the US gas prices were boosted because we bought a lot of US gas in Europe um, to keep us warm this winter. So um, because gas prices have come back a bit and are not uh, have fallen from their peak in August, that also is helping a US inflation. And oil, if you go to the, uh, buy petrol, um, you'll see petrol prices are down from where they were. And they're down in the United States. And so it's this energy crisis um, after the initial surge. It's not that things have got much better, but they're not getting any worse. So that means in Ireland, when people are still looking at the price of things going up, that is because of inflation. It's just that inflation is increasing at a smaller, slower rate. Yeah, yeah. And when you go to the shops tomorrow, things will be a bit more expensive than they were last week. So so inflation is continuing and it will continue at a, 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 an abnormal rate through next year. It's probably only <coughs> the year after next that the European Central Bank will bring things under control and inflation will go back down towards 2% a year. So there isn't necessarily opportunism or price gouging going on here, because if we do hear there's a slowdown in inflation and that's good news, but then we see the prices of things, goods and services, and as you said, the price of butter going up, we do have to remember, oh, like it is still inflation. There is still growth. So there is still like growth in prices. In the vast bulk of cases, there's no more price gouging than there was five years ago or 10 years ago. And prices take a while to adjust, like the gas price has come down from August, but we're still paying very high prices. One of the reasons is that the gas companies, who are the companies that we buy our gas from, 
in some cases have paid for the gas in advance, in some cases at a lower price than, we're at, than if you had to go out and buy gas today. So it, adjustment is slow, it takes time. And actually this forward buying of gas and our electricity generators in some cases may have bought gas forward. Even airlines, they buy their jet fuel. Some um, buy their jet fuel um, a, a year in advance and pay, which may fix the price. Others are buying today. So in a lot, a lot of cases, how long it takes for a change in the real factors affecting prices to come through to us, the consumers, can vary. Um, and when you see differences, it's generally not because somebody's treating you unfairly. It's because there are different lags in the transmission. You've mentioned there that it'll probably be the year after next when we see changes for the better. Would it be bad if inflation starts to decrease too quickly? Can that cause its own problems? Well, we saw during the financial crisis, those of us who are some some listeners may have been too young to really remember it, but it was really difficult when prices were falling. So actually, um, falling prices um, makes life very complicated. For example, um, you might have somebody who'd set up a small business selling coffee and they agreed to pay a rent. Um, And if prices fall by a lot, as they did during the financial crisis, um, even if they're selling the same amount of coffee, the price of the coffee will go down, but their rent is fixed and a lot of them went out of business. So actually falling prices are not good news. So we want a steady low rate of increase in inflation. No shocks, please. And the other thing that people will be really interested to hear, I think, on this podcast will be what all of this is doing to their interest rates. What are we likely to see? Will there be more hikes, even if there is a slowdown? The way you bring inflation under control is you raise interest rates, which slows the economy, discourages people from going out and buying houses or whatever. And it's not it's not nice. But it is the only way that you will bring it under control. So the European Central Bank has raised interest rates, not as much as the Fed in the United States uh, or the Bank of England, and they will continue to raise interest rates until inflation is brought under control. Now, in the 1970s, they would have needed to have a very big rise in interest rates. Um, But wage rates, as most people who are earning wages know um, they're rising, but not as fast as inflation. If they were rising as fast as inflation or faster, then interest rates could go very high. But actually, we're slow to change. So you're likely to see substantial further rise in interest rates, but you're not going to see the kind of interest rates we saw in 1992 or the 1980s. Um, uh, So yes, um, they could rise by another one or 2% by the end of next year. The central bank, the European Central Bank will do whatever is needed to halt the rise in inflation because in the 1970s, countries made um, the major mistake of not controlling uh, inflation and it got out of hand. So, all right, inflation has been peaked at rising by around 10%. It was 20% and rising in the 1970s because they didn't control it. So it is not nice having to raise interest rates. It will be difficult for people if they're on variable mortgages, but it will slow the economy and um, will bring it under control. But the European Central Bank aren't going to, they don't like moving too fast. So it's a gradual rise in interest rates, nothing too shocking. 
But I think you're going to see further rises through next year. This may seem like a bit of a silly question to an economist, but if the whole idea is to get people to stop spending money, why aren't the interest rates on saving accounts changing, going up? Why are they still so low for so many banks in Ireland? I think they're uh, slow to raise the deposit rate. During the the pandemic, when we were saving like mad, uh, for many households, money was being left in the banks. The banks couldn't use their money and the banks had to deposited in the European Central Bank, and they had to pay the European Central Bank to to take it. Now, uh, for really big depositors, what the banks did, they said, we're going to charge you for holding your money. They didn't for most households. So interest rates um, did not fall, or they didn't go negative. We didn't have to pay banks. So they're slower to adjust upwards. But you are going to see over the coming year, banks will once again um, be interested in having your money and paying you a bit for having it. It's not going to be that much, um, certainly not uh, in the first half of next year, but you are likely to see uh, interest rates on deposits uh, rising a little bit. Well, that is some good news because I think people have got the feeling from banks recently that they haven't wanted ordinary people's money with the exodus from the market of a couple of banks and things like that. Are we heading towards a recession, John? Because that is the big talk of the town at the moment. I think Europe is likely to have a recession um, where output falls um, for uh, one or two, for two or more quarters of the year. Also, the United States may need one if they're to stop the rise in inflation. It is unlikely that we will see it in Ireland um, because um, if you if you take what Germany produces, a load of cars, also machinery equipment, which they sell to places like China, and a slowdown in the world will affect them. We produce the things we export are pharmaceuticals. So actually, even if the economy, even the bad times, people still buy, have to go out and buy their vaccinations or whatever. So also in information technology services, healthcare equipment, what we produce is unlikely to see a fall in demand. So I think we will probably escape the worst of a a, a European recession. Also, the recession is likely to be mild. You're not, this isn't a rerun of 2008, 2012. So I think Ireland will probably escape the worst of it. Now, it's not going to be easy over over the coming year. And the government have provided in the budget a very significant insulation for households in terms of help with their, just got my electricity bill yesterday and it was substantially less than I expected because I'd forgotten there was 200 euros in there from the government. So there's some insulation in there, um, but I think that uh, you will see definitely a slowdown next year and probably a mild recession in the rest of Europe. You've mentioned there the government 200 euro on energy bills, but that for a lot of people will just be taking the edge off. Has there been a big government intervention that has had a big impact? The government have intervened, basically providing more protection to those on low incomes. So and they're compared to, say, the British government or even the German government, they've probably been better at targeting those who are worst off. But we are we, the people of Europe, the people of Ireland are worse off as a result of the higher gas prices and higher oil prices as well. Um, and the people of Saudi Arabia and Qatar, who sell a lot of gas, and Norway, who sell a lot of gas, they're much better off. 
So Ireland and Europe are 3% worse off. So we've got to pay 3% more um, for what we need. So that does impact on our standard of living. So uh, what the government has done is they said, right, everybody's going to take a hit um, if we don't do anything. Um, we can't avoid taking this hit, but we will try and protect those on lower incomes. So uh, people on lower incomes will, uh, will be largely protected from the effects of this, where people on middle incomes or higher incomes are going to be worse off. And that's inevitable. Um, uh, the people of Saudi Arabia, unfortunately, are better off. Uh, I don't like it, but the government can't do anything about it. That was actually going to be my next question. Is there anything more the government can do? I think European action on energy is vital. This that we're part of, like we have gas pipes and electricity wires which connect us to Britain and through Britain to the rest of Europe. Britain has actually acted responsibly um, despite Brexit on energy. But energy is a European problem and a, you need a European level solution. So looking to the Irish government um, to solve all our problems, they can't anyway. But I think that, uh, for example, on Europe, um, where if the United Kingdom had stopped all exports of gas in the summer to Ireland and the rest of Europe and stopped exports of electricity to France, we would have been devastated. But the people of Britain would have been better off. They would have had lower prices. The United Kingdom acted responsibly and did not do so. And uh, Europe benefited from that. Now, why did the UK do it? Is it because they have a nice government? Not necessarily. One of the reasons they did it actually was they expect to, because they don't have any gas storage in Britain, they will probably need to import some gas from the rest of Europe, not from Ireland, but from the rest of Europe this winter where there is storage. So actually, um, cutting off your nose to spite your face is not a good idea. So actually, this is a European problem. European action on energy is important. And what we, the people of Ireland, can do for ourselves is build more windmills, plant, uh, uh, put in more solar power. It really points to the need to invest in renewable electricity. Um, and it, doing that on a European scale would be important. So long term, um, this is saying actually action to deal with the current crisis will also deal with climate change. Let's get on with it. And then going into next year, what are the key indicators or developments that we should look out for that would signal good news or hopefully not, but may signal bad news as well? Bad news. Um, the first place to look is Ukraine um, and what's happening there. That That's what's really causing a lot of our problems. <coughs> um, it's hard to see good news there. If the gas price, if we have a really cold winter, then that's bad news for the economy because gas uh, gas prices are going to be higher because we will have burnt a lot of the gas that has been stored in Europe. So watch watch the watch the climate and watch the temperature. That's going to be a problem, and um, or could be a problem. And um, a warm winter would probably mean there'll be gas left over from this winter for next winter, and that will make it easier. So uh, 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 the one thing you do know is there will be surprises and forecasting. You can't forecast the future with any uh, uh, with any great success. Things which to watch are obviously for Ireland, the housing market. If the, the government are 
going to announce changes to the planning laws. The problem on housing in Ireland is not that there's we have plenty of money. It's not a problem of money. The problem is the obstacles to actually building things. So they're going to amend the planning laws. And at the moment, and the teacher has spoken about this, um, a, a major obstacle to housing the people of Ireland is the people who are already housed who object to new building. So the continual objections and every day in the papers, um, in the journal, you will read about new obstacles, people objecting to having houses or apartments near you, or people don't want apartments which are rent only, they want different. These regulatory obstacles to building, if the government uh, takes action on this this winter, you could see an improvement in that area. So uh, there are things we can do about doing our business better, um, which would help. But um, I, I, I'm hopeful there's some pleasant surprise out there that I haven't thought of. There could be, um, but there are also some unpleasant surprises that I haven't thought of either. But the big concern is Ukraine, gas prices, energy, um, and what will happen in next winter. I wasn't expecting a huge amount of optimism from you, John, but that is fair enough. Thanks so much for coming on and explaining all of that really well and really simply and without scaring us absolutely completely. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to John for making the time to talk to us. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by producers Nikki Ryan and Aoife Barry. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us so we can continue to make more just like this one. There's a couple of things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber or make a one-off donation. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a really great way to make sure other people will discover it, listen and love it as well. Thank you and catch you next time.